May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I greet you this morning on this seventh and final Sunday of the great 50 days of Easter. And so it seems fitting for the last time to greet you with the Easter proclamation. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. This final Sunday of Easter finds us in a strange sort of in-between time on the church calendar. This past Thursday was the Feast of the Ascension, where we recall Christ's final moments with his disciples on earth and then his bodily raising up into heaven to be with God the Father. After that glorious event, though, there are still ten more days until we get to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In our reading from Acts this morning, we find the disciples handling some sort of housekeeping matters before the coming of the Holy Spirit, namely replacing Judas the betrayer with Matthias. In our gospel reading from John, we get a glimpse into another sort of broader in-between time that Jesus is preparing his disciples for. This gospel reading, Jesus is talking about a time when he would no longer be with them. Immediately within the story, that means the time when he would be arrested and crucified, but also a time that the disciples would be called on to take on God's mission in the world once Jesus had left them bodily from the earth. The disciples are still in the upper room. We've been there for a long time in our gospel readings. This is after the foot washing and after Judas's departure, but before Jesus's arrest. Jesus has been giving them a long series of teachings, and we got part of that from our reading last week. But Jesus's last act before he leaves his followers to go to be arrested, his last act is not to teach them or to do some dramatic act that's going to be remembered. He'd already done the foot washing. His last act is he prays for them. And this prayer actually takes up the whole of this chapter, and we just get one piece of it. In this prayer, Jesus shows his, his disciples the closeness and the interconnectedness of Jesus with God the Father. Jesus prays and talks about how that everything Jesus had and said had come from God, and that Jesus belongs to the Father, was sent by the Father, is returning to the Father, and that now those disciples belong to the Father. Jesus' prayer is intimate, it's close. In his final moments with his followers, Jesus does not pray for his own comfort into the, from the trials that are about to come, but rather that his followers be protected, that they be sanctified or made holy by the truth of God. Because now, just as God had sent Jesus into the world, the disciples would now be sent by Christ. 
Jesus came into the world to serve and save creation through God's truth and grace. And by his death, he defeated death. And by his rising again, he is the first fruits of God's new creation. This is the truth, the word of God and Jesus Christ, that Jesus prays that will make us holy. The truth of a world of self-giving love, a world of God's justice and mercy. In spite of the chaos, evil, and injustice that was going to swirl around the disciples and that continues to swirl around us today, we who delight and meditate on the word made flesh in Jesus Christ may become like trees planted by streams of water, strong, steadfast, and bearing fruit. We are sent as Jesus was sent to shine the light of God's truth into the darkest places of this world. And we are sent out with Jesus Christ's own prayer of protection. When I hear it or read this passage, I can't help but hear in this prayer the words of a parent praying for their children. Holy Father, protect them in your name. I protected them. I guarded them. I ask you to protect them from the evil one. And to me, it's not just the prayer of a parent, but I hear in there the prayer of a mother. Now, I know this gets complicated. Our usual definition of mother is usually linked to a particular gender or biological birth. But to me, mother also carries with it the idea of self-sacrificial love. Because after all, a mother gives of her own body to raise a child. And mother carries with it the idea of protection. And before you think that maybe I've lost it, I ask you to remember that in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 23, when Jesus is lamenting over the city of Jerusalem, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who sent to it, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Jesus himself saw us as his children and him as the brooding hen protecting the chicks. In his final prayer, Jesus prays for his disciples in the room with him and his disciples to come. He prays as their teacher, their rabbi, their brother, their leader, their father, and as their mother. Because Jesus knows what so many mothers know, that he cannot remove those whom he loves from the world, but instead must send them into it. I think it's a fitting scene for us on Mother's Day, if perhaps an unconventional one. And an important reminder that mothers are more than those who just give birth to us. They are those people in our lives, particularly women, that take on the responsibility of protecting us 
and teaching us in order that we can be prepared to be sent out into a world that is often chaotic and dangerous. On this Mother's Day, I give thanks to God for the blessing of my own mother, Melrose. She taught me a love of travel and a bit of adventure within safe boundaries. A love of languages. She herself spoke English, German, and French. She taught me a very important lesson in life, which is simply that 90% of life was showing up. Throughout school and work and in my life, I have often come back to that and realized that when things seem overwhelming or impossible, that if I just show up, 90% of the work is already accomplished. Because if you don't show up, then you certainly can't get anything done. I give thanks for her love and patience and protection, and as any good child should, I especially give thanks for her forgiveness, because I certainly needed it a time or two. I've had other mothers in my life that did not give birth to me, but people that took on responsibility, maybe for a little time or maybe for a long time, of protecting me and teaching me. Grandmothers, teachers, powerful women, in the church and when I was an attorney, and I give thanks for them as well. And a sort of unusual twist for the sermon, I invite us to take just a moment of quiet to think of the mothers in your lives, whoever or wherever they may be, however they may have come to be a mother to you, whether by birth or blood or teaching or friendship, and I invite you to think on them and to name them either silently or aloud. Holy God, we give thanks for your love and for all those who give us their love. We pray today, especially for mothers everywhere, for those who have born children and for those who have loved children they haven't born. We ask your peace and blessing on those who long to become mothers and on mothers who long for children they have lost. Give all mothers wisdom and patience and help them faithfully care for their families. We ask your comfort for those who are saddened or grieved today, for those who grieve their mother's absence, being separated by death, distance, disappointment, or division. May we find in your unending strength so that we might also reflect your love and your light through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in telling that story about my mother, I also have to know that my childhood was privileged. I grew up in a two-parent home. I cannot recall a day that I woke up and did not know where my next meal would come from. Amen. I think it's important that we remember today those mothers who worked so hard to protect and raise their children shackled with the evil of poverty, the evils of hunger and violence that come with it. And I ask us, as disciples of Christ's truth to name and to witness to the sin 
that it is that in one of the richest countries in the world, 47 million people live in poverty, and that over 20% of our children in this country live in poverty. I think we have to witness to the truth that in Alabama, the sixth poorest state in the nation, 25.6% of our children live in poverty and that each day 247,140 children do not know where their next meal will come from. In there are mothers of all sorts, of all relations. Some of them are men, most of them are women that are working every day in whatever way they can just to feed their children. And they don't have the privilege and luxury that my mother had to teach what a little love of adventure within safe bounds means. They teach survival. And I have a feeling that probably every day when their children leave, they pray some version of Jesus' own prayer, which is simply, dear God, protect them from the evil one in this world. So I ask us to take a moment and to remember those mothers and those children. Amen. As I came to you last week asking for your prayers for the Poor People's Campaign that begins tomorrow, I ask you to again remember all those traveling or that will travel to Washington, D.C., to state capitals across the country, to Montgomery, Alabama, to bear witness, and this week to especially bear witness to the evil of poverty and how it affects the mothers and children in our communities. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for those mothers who struggle every day to feed their children and protect them from the violence of this world. We pray that you will guide us in the work of not only providing temporary relief from poverty, but that we may also use our gifts and voice to be witnesses to your truth so that the evil of poverty may be defeated in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Direct in our time those who speak where many listen and write what many read, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise its mind sound, and its will righteous. And today, we thank you, Father, for your word, Jesus Christ, the truth, by whom and in whom we are made holy, having sent us into the world as you sent him, protect us and all those whom we love from the evil one, and give us perseverance in your mission of grace and justice so that we may withstand any hostility or temptation. All this we ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.